Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. And we're so glad you joined in to listen to us today. Um, We're going to be talking about Genesis chapters 1 through 5, which goes through the origin of the universe, creation of man, all the way through the genealogies of Noah. Um, But before we jump into that, I'm going to start talking to you guys about um, our specific Bible that we are using for our study and the features it has and kind of, you know, all that stuff. So my Bible was actually gifted to me by Whitney. Thank you. Um, And it is a Reformation study Bible. It's an ESV version. And one of the cool features I find in this Bible is the study part talks a lot, goes into a lot more detail about what the actual reading was about, how it correlates to other parts of the Bible. Maybe it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Um, It gives you a lot of references. It also explains um, the language a little bit in terms of the translation of the Bible, because we know it was written originally in about three different languages, which was Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. Um, So some of these words, you know, in the original text can't translate directly over into English, and maybe sometimes in the English word it kind of means something else. Um, So they do a really good job of explaining the translation in those texts. And um, their introductions to the chapters and the prefaces and stuff is really, really good. So if you want to check this out, it's by, um, what's his name? Oh, R.C. Sproul did the uh, introduction. He's the main guy, the general editor, but it's by... Ligonier Ligonier Ministries. Ligonier Ministries. Yes. So that's a little bit about our Bible and what we are using. Um, So I guess we're just going to go ahead and jump right into kind of Genesis, um, the history of Genesis, who wrote it, that kind of stuff, um, the structure of Genesis, and then we're going to get into the chapter readings. Does that sound good? Yeah, it's a big box for me. Awesome. So history of Genesis, it does not specifically tell us who wrote it. Um, although a lot of people speculate that it was Moses, was the likely likely the main author of Genesis through Deuteronomy. Um, so Genesis itself is a story that moves through the creation of the world to the sediment, ooh, settlement <laughs> of the patriarchs in Egypt. Um, it can be kind of sectioned out into about five sections. So the first three um, only run through about chapter 10, um, which was the origin of the universe and mankind, sin and salvation, judgment and deliverance, and then the fourth one is the history of the nations, and the fifth one is the main bulk of Genesis, which is chapter 11 through the end of it, ending at chapter 50, um, which was the progress of the covenant promise. So today, like we said before, we're going to be talking through the origins of the universe, um, the creation of man, and the fall, and then the genealogies through Noah. So Whitney... Yeah, I just had a point that I had kind of wanted to talk about before we got into, like, the content and things specific to this book is I think that Genesis, you know, in the study Bible, talks about how, you know, Genesis is different from all the other books of the Bible in a sense that Genesis is kind of laying the foundations for how we Mm -hmm. interpret and how we're going to read the other books of the Bible. Like in this, in this book, we're shown, you know, what love is, the definition of sin, um, you know, that type of thing. So I think it's really interesting also that Genesis is, is from God's perspective. Um, you know, whereas other books of the Bible is not necessarily from God's perspective, it's from the perspective of the disciples, or it's mm-hmm. from the perspective of the prophets. Yeah. Um, so Genesis is kind of giving us that 
insight into who God is a little bit about, you know, how much love he has for us and everything yeah, like that. I think that's good. Um, but yeah, it, like you said, it lays the foundation for helping us understand who he is, his purposes for the world and what his purposes mean for our lives. Um, and there are a few lessons that we can learn from the chapters we're going to go through today. And we'll talk about those near the end. Um, but really Genesis chapter one runs through what creation basically. Yeah. It literally starts with in the beginning, um, God created the heavens and the earth is the first verse, which is such an like massive punch, I guess. Like, it's just so big. Like a lot of people who are kind of like, you know, where do we come from? Where do we go? type of people, if they just pick up the Bible and just be like, in the beginning, boom, right there. That's where we came from. God. Yeah. We're, <laughs> in we're the beginning, God. Yeah. We're seeing <laughs> time, space, and matter, all the things that the universe is literally dependent on being created by God. Yep. And I think that that shows, too, that our God is not hindered by and doesn't have limits Mm -hmm. everything on on the earth and within the universe is limited and requires those three things time matter and space he doesn't need that because he's the one who created it all exactly that's why he's outside of time matter and space yeah or what is it um um (laughs) omnipotent omnipotent thank you (laughs) having a, a brain fart for a second um but yeah chapter one is pretty much going through, you know, creating the heavens and the earth, the sky, water, land, vegetation, sun, moon, and stars, fish, fowl, animals, and humans. And I think moving from chapter one to chapter two, we kind of have to rewind a little bit. Yeah. So I too also wanted to say uh, about the beginning of chapter one, I guess the majority of chapter one is I think people tend to get myself included tend to get hung up on the fact that there are not a lot of specific details about how everything was created. Yeah. And I think, you know, the point for me that the point is, is not how everything is created, but it's who Mm -hmm. created everything. Um, so I don't know. That was just something that stuck out to me. I mean, literally, I'm I'm looking at the Bible right now. In every verse, it says God. God mm-hmm. created the heavens and the earth, and God said, and God saw, and yeah. God separated. So I think that um, it just really emphasizes that it's not. I mean, that was a hang up for me when I first read Genesis. To be completely honest, yeah. I was like, okay, six days he did everything. Six days, and it's just unfathomable to think. That someone could do that. Yeah. But nobody could do that besides God. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I also like in in chapter one, when he's talking about creating man, excuse me, um, he goes into saying, you know, where is it? I think it's in chapter one, verse 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. As in he's talking to someone else. Now, there's three points here. That you could go from, in my opinion. You can say God in his heavenly angelic court are in view. He's talking to himself and the angels. Or you can say it's just, it's denoting his incomparable majesty. So he's talking about himself and everything that he's created thus far. And then 
the the third one, which is, you know, the one that I choose to believe, it's the evidence of the Trinity from the beginning. Yeah, that's exactly what I have written down. I have in my notes is, is that in verse 26, we can see one of the very earliest and one of the first, you know, references to the Trinity, mm-hmm. like to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes. And at the same time, if there's any question in that, John, in verse 1, chapter 1 of his book, talks about... The Trinity being in the beginning. So he says, in the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word is God. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. And then it talks about the Trinity, and it's just like, okay. So not only did he, in the beginning in chapter 1, create time, space, and matter, but he also had God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. So it's like the Holy Trinity of Trinities. I didn't see. (laughs) I guess I never put together the three and the three until Mm -hmm. you just said that. That's really neat. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Good. Interesting. Yes. But yes, no, creating man in chapter one and then moving on to the seventh day, he rests. He says, everything is so awesome. I'm amazing. And he rests. Mm -hmm. And he, he, you know, blesses that. That becomes the Sabbath for the, for the old covenant. Um, The holy day of rest as what, you know, Jesus is basically, what's the word? Punished for doing things on the Sabbath. Yeah. When, when he was doing his ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we kind of have to rewind. This was kind of a little weird focus point for me um, because I was like, okay, wait, 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 wait. He created man in chapter one, but in chapter two, he's now creating man again. Like, what's happening here? Yeah, I know we kind of had to look at that too. It can be, this is where too, like we were talking about in the first episode, how you can read the Bible and have more questions or, mm-hmm. you know, be curious because it can be confusing. It's kind of like, uh, we went over this briefly, touched on something else, and then, okay, now we're going to go back to yeah. this, but in more detail. Yeah, and I like one of the study <clears throat> sections of my Bible kind of puts this into perspective. It says, from the panoramic view of creation in chapters one through two, verse three. Genesis moves from a more focused and intimate description of creation that centers on the first human couple. In keeping with this shift of focus, the emphasis on God's transcendence or otherness in chapter one shifts to an emphasis on his imminence or nearness. Yeah. So I think in chapter two, we can really see him becoming more personable rather than being the all knowing, all present yeah yeah outside of the universe type of god early evidence of the fact that our god is a personal god yes yes so on the creation of man one of the things that i don't know just kind of struck me was kind of like in the bible when he's talking about his commission to Adam and Eve to rule over all the creeping things mm-hmm. of the earth and the birds of the heavens and that kind of thing. Yep. To me, when God created man, you know how when you're so excited about something or you really like something and you can't wait to share it with somebody because you mm-hmm. want them to think it's so cool and yeah. so awesome too, is it because you love it, you know, you mm-hmm. like it. And God had, you know, created these things. And to me, this is, again, how I feel and see it. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like God saw everything that he did and that he made. And he knew, 
you know, you had to share it with somebody. He, yes, it was mm-hmm. so incredible and awesome that he wanted somebody else to feel that awesomeness too, mm-hmm. and so and to live in it. Exactly, that man was created out of pure love. Oh yeah, you know, there's no doubt that man was created out of pure love. Just the amount of grace he gives us just for being our you know imperfect selves just yeah. shows how much he loves man. Um, and I like how you know he says from dust. And then he breathed into his um, mm-hmm. nostrils the breath of life, mm-hmm. and then man became a living creature. And then he built the Garden of Eden and put him in it and said, you're going to guard this, you're going to work this, and you're going to do this all in my name for my glory, basically. Mm-hmm. Because as he should, God yeah. made Adam. Like, you exist because God made you. Yeah, because... Your life should center and focus around that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. And then, of course, in the garden, we have the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yes, I have written down that God literally gave gave Adam, you know, everything. one role. He gave him everything, and he like, gave him one role. One. You know, the tree of knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. No touchy this. Nope. No, no. You can have the tree so, of life. You can live forever. But, but this, this one, one tree... Don't do this it. This one thing. Yeah. No touchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I also had a point to make in chapter two when they're talking about the garden and where it's at. Um, you know, sometimes like we said in the first episode where you can kind of think of the Bible as being on its own timeline yeah. and its own world in, in, in a sense. Um, but it talks about where the garden was and the four rivers that came out of it. Um, now, after the flood, a lot of these probably left. But the one that sticks out is the Euphrates River. Still and it's here. to this day. It's still here. Yeah. I think that that's And also it's also like, written about in Revelation. Yeah. That it's just pr- like proof and physical evidence that this place did exist mm-hmm. here on this earth. Yes. Definitely. <sighs> um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm jumping ahead. Sure. Uh on the creation of woman, woman. Mm. yeah before my we favorite. get into the fall yeah my favorite yeah. <laughs> on the creation of woman i think what stuck out to me and kind of like one of the the passages that really i could feel the holy spirit in was in the fact that god created everything so far before he created woman he created everything out of the dust of the earth mm-hmm. everything 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 but he took a rib from the man mm-hmm. and made Mind you, after, after already presenting the man with everything he had made, making him name everything on the face of the planet, yeah. and saying, no, none of these are fit for me <clears throat> to have as a person. He says, man should not be alone. Yeah. So man yeah. needs something. Yes. Yes. He's, so I, man makes woman. Yeah, I have that. God makes I, woman. Yeah. And I have that as one of the points, too, is God didn't like the idea of Adam being alone. So nope. he created woman. Mm-hmm. Um he didn't need to do that. Nope. I mean, I mean, God doesn't need to do anything, mm-hmm. but he saw that Adam was alone, so he created someone special for him. Here we're seeing how pure and personal our God is. Adam didn't ask for a wife or a woman or a partner mm-hmm. because none, none of that existed, and all of our ideas have to be inspired from somewhere, and God gives us inspiration. So unless yes. God would have given him the idea of a woman, which he did by creating her, mm-hmm. like he couldn't have come up with that. So I yeah. think that that just shows how personal, how personal and how loving our God is. Definitely. Um, 
And then I love that in verses 23 and 24, um, he says, this is like the that. man. Yeah, the man is saying this after God has created woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, this at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. To me, maybe this is just like super cheesy or whatever. But like, Probably. I don't know. I just feel like that. that's so... You can just... There's so much love, mm-hmm. you know? Like mm-hmm. there's just so much love between Adam and woman and, and how much he felt for her. Yeah. I mean, that's why they're the first couple mm-hmm. because of all that love mm-hmm. and because of, you know, what they did. And I kind of want to rewind a little bit um, back to before, you know, God made woman. It said in verse 20, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And I know a lot of people may be like, oh, yeah, hold on. let's backpedal here. Helper, like, excuse me, helper. But I also want to point out that the man is formed first and the woman is later given to him as a helper. The word helper does not, you know, say anything about her inferiority. It talks about his inadequacy because, you know, they give for each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For what he lacks, she, she Uh, provides and vice versa. Yeah. And I like that they use the word partner, not they, but I like that the word partner, um, is used helper because well helper if you remember helper is also um used in the new testament in john to talk about the holy spirit when god was talking about sending the holy spirit he said um oh my goodness i can't find it now anyway gosh was god was like jesus said that i'm only here for a short bit of time and then the helper will come yeah. And it's also referenced as woman. Yeah. And I think that that also shows that, like, we can't, not only in relation to, you know, the New Testament, but the Old Testament, we can't do it alone. Nope. You know? And that's also a recurring thing when a lesson throughout the entire Bible is we can't do it alone. Yeah. And we, I, were, we were quite literally not made to do it alone. Nope. Definitely so not. That was just. Definitely. A few not. of the things that stuck out to me there, and I just I don't know, in that in those first two chapters, I mean in, in the entire Bible, but specifically in the first two chapters, when God's creating everything, you know, like we we're talking about specifically man and woman, I can just really feel God's love. Mm-hmm. Like because li- like why physically feel God's love. Why for would us. he why would he do that? <laughs> for just he because, has everything he needs. Exactly, just because he loved us and loves us still so much. Yeah. It's just can you just take a moment to imagine what it would be like in Eden? Right? And we're going to get to that in the fall. But, like, to not have to wear clothes and to not be ashamed of that? <laughs> I, like, I can't even, like, can you what? even think of a what time? What does that feel? Like, how would you, I don't, I don't think I would be okay with that. No, right? Because how I feel now because of the fall, but can, it's, it's crazy to think about. Exactly. So, anyway, chapters one and two is amazing just in themselves and then obviously we go into chapter three where it's kind of like doom and gloom a little bit yeah um (laughs) because the fall happens in chapter three now we know from verse one of chapter three the serpent was there yeah and the serpent is also referenced in revelation as being the incarnation of satan Mm -hmm. so we know that satan was in eden satan was there at the beginning of the world yeah so like it's not like 
God chose to put Satan there. He kind of allowed that to happen a little bit. I don't know. I think that this is a good example of God's grace because we see that God is allowing Satan to be there. Mm -hmm. But Satan is there, is in Eden and not in heaven because of a choice that he has made of his own free will. Like he had decided for whatever reason that he was going to (laughs) be, it was kind of a joke, but like he's going to be bigger and better and is and is bigger and better than God. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the fact that, you know, whatever happened, and maybe this is later in the Bible and I just haven't yeah. known, you know, the whole nitty gritty of what happened there. You know, I know that Satan decided he was going to be and was better than God and was going to, you know. Yeah take over and be bigger and and then he was cast going to be the authority yeah and god cast him out and you know like i said because you know i know know a lot of people take the side of well you know if god didn't want this to happen then why was the snake there well and i think too like we just have to keep in mind also that god created us with free will like satan made the choice to decide rise up and yeah and go against god Mm -hmm. so and that was kind of a point that I had made when we go when we're talking about the fall is when someone makes you angry to me, when someone makes me angry, like if I'm arguing or like perfect example is earlier today, there was some road rage because <laughs> somebody cut me off and drove past me and I didn't understand what the what the I was doing was, wrong. Yeah. So then as a reflex, as a flesh, flesh reflex, well... You did that to me, so I'm going to do it back to you. Mm-hmm. So Satan, you know, cast out of heaven, is like, to me, in my mind, the way I think of it is, is like, okay, well, God's going to kick me out of heaven, then I guess I'm going to tear down his, you know, oh-so-precious creation, man and woman, here we go. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Because, too, you know, like you said, in um, Genesis 3-1, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in, um, I can't remember if it was a point that the pastor had made on one Sunday or if it's something I have read in the um, study portion of the Bible, is is that the serpent, maybe not necessarily the serpent itself was doing that, but there was a force, an evil force behind that serpent that was making it do the things that it was saying and the things that it was doing to Eve. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like the animal existed, so, God made the serpent, but yeah. it wasn't the serpent doing that. It yes. was Satan. Yeah. So I think too, and actually I never even thought of that point until you just said that right away in the section titled The Fall, in the first verse of that chapter, we are seeing an example of God's grace because mm-hmm. he could have he could have been destroyed like, no. Satan. Yep. He could have destroyed Satan, but instead he threw him to earth, you know, or however that worked. And yeah. here yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the serpent makes he he tempts Eve in just such a way that just undermines everything that God is. Exactly, he tries to undermine everything that God is. I don't think he he'll never succeed. succeed. No, not he hasn't ever. succeeded. Not ever. He will not ever succeed. <laughs> but he emphasizes God's prohibition, not his provision. As in, he's saying, "Don't eat of that tree. You can have anything else, but don't eat of that tree." He's saying. Why would he say you can't eat of that tree? Yeah, and that's, um, you know, 
another point that I had made, first of all, in the study portion, I also have, I read that uh, he doesn't even call like in, is that the first verse still? Yes. In the first verse, he said to the woman, did God actually say you mm-hmm. shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So in the, I guess, Hebrew version, and this is an example of what you're saying where there may not be an English word yeah. for, yeah. you know, for the word that's used in the original language. Satan did not use God's proper name when he said that. Of course He not. was being disrespectful mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of like, well... Did did he really, you know, did God say, actually mm-hmm. say, you mm-hmm. know, like in my head when I read it, that's how, how it sounds to yeah. me. Yep. And I have um, also a note, you know, um, uh, anyway. He, he reduces God's command to a question. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because God said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And then he was like, you will not surely die. Yeah. And I think since you said that, you know, the pastor pointed out a few months ago that right there in three, four is the first lie. Yeah. First lie. Like, boom, boom, will you boom. sure you, you won't surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing yeah. of good and evil. Yeah. Yeah. So he casts doubt upon God's sincerity and defames his motives. He's just like he doesn't he doesn't want you to not eat of this tree because you're going to die. He wants you to not eat of this tree because then you'll know everything he knows. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think too, you know, and maybe if I'm jumping ahead and you have another point to make that, we can definitely Go back. You can be like, mm, Whitney, I'm not there yet. He's just denying the so, truthfulness of God's threat. Yeah, yeah. And the woman said, you know, and the woman's response, and the woman said to the serpent, we may, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Mm-hmm. I think a, a, a part to point out here is, is that we're already seeing woman manipulate god's words that's not what god said god said you may surely eat of every tree in the garden but that of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die that's what god said in chapter 2 verse 16 yeah so i think that this is just you know an example of already you know, woman thinks that what God says is open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know. Yep. Yep. But basically the snake or the serpent or Satan, if you will, just whispers denials and half-truths until she mm-hmm. basically gives in and obviously eats of the tree. Now, my biggest thing is she ate of the tree. She made that decision to eat of the tree, and then she gave Adam some. Okay, now, does he knowingly eat of the tree, or did he just take food from his wife? I... Because he is held accountable for her transgressions. Yeah, I think that... I don't know, I guess we really don't... The impression... I feel like if Eve had tricked Adam, that it would say that. I'm thinking that... Mm -hmm. Because it says in here... When... 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So I'm thinking, and to me, it's like, okay, well, she saw it. She ate it and saw that, okay, well, she didn't physically die because, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. rewind a little bit, when God says you will surely die, no, he's not specifically saying you're going to die in this Yeah, and not not referring to necessarily physical death, but spiritual death. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. everything's going to be stained then, yep. you know. And so when maybe they were, she was thinking in a literal sense, and when she didn't die and she saw that the fruit was, you know, mm-hmm. good-looking and it tasted good and nothing, quote-unquote, happened to her and was told by the serpent that it was going to make her wise like God, mm-hmm. that she tried it and then said, well, listen... This is going to make us wise like God. It tastes good. I'm still here. Have some. And then he, too, willingly also ate the fruit. Yep. Yep. And then their eyes were opened, for sure. And they saw that they were naked. (laughs) Oh, yes. Back to this naked thing. Back to the naked thing. I would be so And, and like, it's kind of interesting that their consciousness kind of told them, hey, you're naked. And it separated them into man and woman being different. Yeah. And having that that separation. And then they, (laughs) above all else, hid from God. (laughs) They hid themselves. Isn't that, like, kind of, like, even to this day, I think people... I mean, like, how scared would you be? I know how scared sometimes when I was younger, if I did something I wasn't supposed to do. How I was afraid of my parents, let alone how scared I would be of God. Right. Right. But one of my favorite verses in all of this is that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. That means that he was there. Yeah. Yeah. He was physically there. Like, imagine being in the presence of God in in Eden. You have your husband. You have everything you could possibly have. Could imagine everything in your life. You could live forever with God. And then you do the one thing he told you not to do. Yeah. And then all that is just flushed down the crapper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have that choice. So we can see that before the fall, God walked with us physically. Like, he was here. We looked upon his face. Like, everything about him. And then to go back a little bit, I think we need to to talk about the gravity of the decision and choice that the woman made. Yeah. Now, as a result of the fall, we have sinful tendencies, which didn't exist before. Yep. Um, That's just how we're made now like we're just made born with sinful tendencies yep um and so just something to think about the decision or choice that she made was prior to that instinctive or intuitive desire like was not a subconscious flesh decision like because Mm -hmm. that didn't exist prior to the fall Mm -hmm. so she came up with that all on her own mm-hmm. to me that just kind of blew my mind a little bit not to say that our flesh is an excuse because it's absolutely positively not an excuse for the actions that we take but yeah you know it's just we're we're just all sinners because of that conscious decision mm-hmm. that she made she stood there she said yeah. i know i'm not supposed to do this yeah. but i'm gonna do it anyway yeah and i think that you know, in order for us to... And I don't think she would have if she didn't have something whispering in her ear and being like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. You can actually eat of this tree. Yeah, yes. And I think, you know, um, 
that in order for us to under to be able to understand the love that God is about to show Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. we have to understand the gravity and the ugliness of the of the choice that they made. Yep. You know, um, like we kind of like how we have to understand our sin before we can understand yeah, God. God's love for yeah, exactly. us. Exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, I have a little point here that it kind of stuck out to me about sin and about the tree of knowledge. So the tree of knowledge, it it indicates excising moral judgment um, involves the assertion of human independence aside from God and attempt to govern apart from God. So sin is essentially the failure to trust in God. It is an act or a state of unbelief, and it is an assertion of independence from his law. Sin entails both doing what God has forbidden and failing to do what he has commanded. Yeah. So to kind of pull it into full circle a little bit, true communion with God consists is based on that trust. And then the genuine trust in God bears the fruit in obedience. Yes. So that's how we kind of step sideways from sin and everything that happened, you know, in mm-hmm. the fall. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so and I think um then we can, and if not, by all means, no, tell no, me no. Just for keeping moving the the curses. You want to go into those? You have more about. Oh yeah, the fall itself. No, no, no. Yep. So when we're reading, you know, about the fall and the curses and things, there are three parts. There's the serpent gets cursed, the man gets cursed, mm-hmm. and the woman gets cursed. Yep. So. Oh wait. I do have something else. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> reverse, reverse, reverse. The you know God was walking in the garden. They hide themselves. He says, "Where are you guys?" And the first thing, the first thing out of Adam's mouth is the woman whom you gave oh. to me gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. He literally tries to blame God for his wife's actions. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, I hear you laughing, and it's just like, and I'm sitting here in silence because there's just no words. There's no for words. Like, like huh? Excuse me? Who, you what? said what to God? I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Okay, we're going to fast forward to now the curses, which they rightfully that was deserve. A, I think a very a good, a very good point. Mm-hmm. Like, you gave me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The serpent yeah. deceived her. Yes. So, you know, the Lord said, you, you're going to be cursed for all your life. You shall be on your belly. You're the lowest at the low. You know, um, one of the main points of the serpent's curse is that he would put, God would put an enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring, meaning that there's going to be rivalry. There's going to be deep rooted hatred between basically siblings. And that's how we see in the first, in the first siblings of the Bible, Cain and Abel. Yeah. Which we're going to get to them today too, a little bit later. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Eve is Eve is the the reason why we have pain during childbirth. Yeah, I have written in my notes. Thanks for that. Lovely. That's good. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, going back to the curse of the serpent, not only do we see you know the hostility and things of about um, man and the serpent, but we also see. God has already created a plan to save us. Oh yeah, He has already created some, a plan. Some to come say back that to He us. He did that before the fall. So, like God, the Son, the Holy Spirit had this plan 
that if this should happen, this is what we were going to do. Yeah. I mean, you can see when, when they talk about, you know, how... The, are you talking about the verse, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, like, if you're going to punch someone or if you're going to take someone down, mm -hmm. what's going to win? Mm -hmm. a, a bruise to the heel or a big old wabam to the head? Yeah. And actually, verse 15 is the first promise of redemption we have in scripture. Yeah. Which is awesome it yes. says due to the announcement of the defeat of the serpent by the seed of the woman jesus the messiah it, yes theologians have referred to genesis three fifteen as the proto evangelion <laughs> i'm saying that completely wrong the first gospel this verse is the first promise of redemption in scripture yeah and i just too want to point out like again comparing how ugly the choice and decision mm -hmm. that adam and eve had just made to eat that fruit God already loves us so much that he already has a plan and he's already wanting to bring us back. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. not to say that as he's kicking them out. Yeah. Yeah. He has a yeah, plan. Yeah. Seeing we're, we're for salvation. You know, he has, yeah. he has a plan. Yeah. Seeing that our God is so far we found is personal. Mm -hmm. He is loving and he is just, mm -hmm. and, you know, and his punishments. Yep. And so, yeah. Adam's curse, mm -hmm. you know, going through having trouble with the ground and getting food and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, did you have anything on that? I do have a few things on that. So to me, in my head, like I was dust thinking. Dust to dust. Like, Sorry. What's that? Dust to dust. Yeah. That's where yes. the saying comes from. Yes. Yes. So to talk about like work and the food and anything mm -hmm. and everything prior to this adam and eve what kind of work did they have to do for their food they guarded the the garden they d it was basically nothing not to say that they weren't working before but now we're seeing that our work to bring food onto the table or, you know... They had everything they needed the and ground. all they had to do was upkeep it. Yes. But and, now they have to start from And scratch. if you ask me, I think this is where... Why we have to work so hard is coming from. Mm -hmm. So that was just one point I had that, you know, that 40-plus hour work week yeah. that, you know, people have. To me, anyway, like I said, this is just how I see it and mm -hmm. how I... Yeah. How I uh, can apply it or see it in, you know, current life is, is it's that it's a result of the yeah. fall, yeah. you know, a direct result of the fall given to us as a just punishment from the Lord for definitely eating. From and the like tree. a good summation of verse 16 through 19 is that the woman's curse is she's frustrated in her natural relationships within the home. So we see the battle of the sexes here. Basically, yeah. it's the woman's duty to cook, clean, take care of yeah. the children, all of and that. And then yeah. the it's the man's duty to provide for the food. And that's that's because of the fall. We didn't yeah. have that prior to the yeah. fall. And then the man is frustrated in his activity to provide food. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's exactly some of the other points that I had or had wanted to say, you know, is that marriage is a complementary relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it's now more work. There are, you know, to me, when I interpret it in um, modern times, it'd be like, you know, divorce rates and yes. ends of relationships and yeah. things and, you know, that type of thing. But basically now, like you said, it's, it's the battle of the sexes is that there's pressure now for the man to be the man of the house and to mm -hmm. be the breadwinner. Yep. And some people 
feel very strongly about that. And there can be, you know, men who feel intimidated by a woman who is the breadwinner yeah. for their yeah, family. Definitely. And that, again, brings into then the, um, the battle of battle the sexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. And the restoration to that relationship, that re- that restoration to that balance that a marriage needs is is rectified through a life of Christ, in Christ. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like you said, divorce rates, less people are turning to God in their marriage. And it's because of the because of the fall, we continue to degrade as human beings until Jesus returns. Yeah. So like it makes sense. Yeah. Complete sense. Yep. But after this, after the fall, the man calls his wife Eve, and that's where we first find Eve's name as she's the mother of all living things. Or all living, excuse me. Um, and then your favorite verse. Yeah, so one of my favorite verses is Genesis 3.21. Um, and I will read it for you here. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now, when I was younger, if I were to have read that, I don't think that I would understand, I wouldn't understand. how much is in just that sentence mm-hmm. because there is a lot, which is exactly, you know, why we wouldn't be here and why we're talking about this. Um, so in this, in this verse, we are seeing that God made the first sacrifice to atone for, sin. yeah, mm-hmm. atone for sin, to atone for the actions of man and woman. And I just want to think about, you know, God created everything. He created everything. And then he had to take the life for the very first time of something that he created. Mm -hmm. Can we just talk about the amount of emotion that is in that verse, chapter 3, verse 21? To me, I'm seeing unfathomable love, Mm -hmm. you know, his unabounding love for us. Well, they tried to cover themselves and, with fig leaves. Yes, and I think that that shows us that perfect we cannot example do of yeah for ourselves. Yeah, we can't do it for ourselves. We can't do it alone. Yep. We were right in the very beginning, very clearly not made to do these things by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, and two, then not only love, but I'm I, I if I were God, mm-hmm. and I would be angry. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I eat the just punishment Mm -hmm. because not only did you just break the only rule that I had for you, but now I have to take the life for the very first time of something that I created for you in order to cover up, in order to fix what you you did. Mm -hmm. And then how sad is the third emotion that I feel there. How sad he must have been to... To do that. Yeah, to do to, that. To, to not only kill one of his creations, but to also kick Eve and Adam yeah. out of the garden. Yeah. I mean, think about, like, how you feel whenever you lose somebody close to you, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yep. And and also, to kind of finish out this chapter, you know, they he said that they, they are knowing of good and evil. Um, now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever, he kicks them out. He says, "Nope, you're not going to be here anymore. I'm going to set an angel here yep. with a flaming sword to guard the to guard the tree of life and to guard the garden." 
Um, and he sent him out. And talk about the amount of grace he had to have to kick them out of the perfect place he had made for them so that they would not live forever in sin. Yeah. So that, yeah, yeah. And until you said that when we were discussing a little bit earlier before we started recording, I never even thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Like you you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's your punishment. That's what you get. But it was also grace. Yeah. It was him saving them. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is so good. God is so good. Yeah. That is so good. <laughs> yes i just I'm, it was good it was good <laughs> an attribute of god he is good <laughs> um yes. so so they're kicked out they're gone yes um, go live your life they have no more access to the garden they have to fend for themselves um out um where did they settle does that matter i don't really remember I don't know. It just says out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, not. But anyway. Where, where, where were they not Eden? Seriously. So anyway. we're moving on to chapter four, which is the story of Cain and Abel. When I tell you, y'all, Talk this about made me feel some kind of way. Sibling rivalry right here. Like, but at the same time, it's the first, like, it's the first evidence of the curse that he was telling yeah, about in yeah, the beginning. Yeah. He said, we're going to put enmity between your offspring and his, his offspring. When they meant by that is that there's going to be people who are born of God and who are born godly. And then there's also going to be people who are not. Yeah. Cain and Abel. Cain, Cain and being the Abel. one who was not of God and Abel yes. being the one who was. Yeah. So they were Adam and Eve's first, first children. children. Cain came first and then Abel. Yep. 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 And then... You know, Cain, he became someone of the... Other ground. Of Basically, the ground. to me... A farmer. Yeah, a farmer. He was a farmer with crops, worked in the fields. Yep, and then Abel was a hunter. Yeah. And, and a, no, no, not livestock. a hunter, with livestock. Yeah, he was like a, a, a rancher to me, anyway. Yes. Or a shepherd, yeah. When I think of that, I think of... Because they're both, like... I don't know, it was agricultural jobs yeah. to say the right word? Yeah. Anyway, they were both farming jobs. Just one was with crops and one was with animals. animals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and we saw in the previous chapter that in order to atone for our sins, what we is required? A sacrifice. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's too where, I guess I didn't say that too, is that's where um, sacrifices came from. Yeah. Yep. Where the idea in the, I shouldn't say the ideal, where that whole making sacrifices Process. yeah mm-hmm. because we continually see that especially in the old testament you know sacrifices yeah, for burnt offerings and, and that type mm-hmm. of thing that that's where yep. that all came from and so you know one of the points before we start talking about that are a pastor has said i have heard him say it several times is what do you have that god didn't give to you mm-hmm. what do you have that is not from god nothing 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 because everything is from god mm-hmm. so what um, do we do in order to a atone for our sins and to give our thanks to God? Is we we should really give Him, you know, our best, our the best and the first of everything that we yeah. have. So Cain, you know, he goes out and gets gathers his up these things, yeah, and creates this subpar offering. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, it to me it sounds like probably a selfish thing because like if you have the choice between the best of what you, you know have a filet mignon of, or yeah. a hamburger mm-hmm. like it, both or what are you gonna pick mm-hmm. you know you will pick the well likely would pick the the better choice the filet mignon and then leave the burger for you know somebody yeah. else and so yeah. Kane he basically did that with yeah. props yeah he decided <laughs> whereas Abel yeah whereas Abel gave his best the firstborn of his flock 
and their fat portion. So yes. everything, the best and the first of what he had. Mm-hmm. And so the the offering that Abel, that Abel gave, oh my gosh, I'm losing my voice, <laughs> the Lord regarded. And then for Cain, he said, mm, no, thanks, but no. So yeah. obviously Cain was angry. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I have... Yeah, how are you going to have the audacity to get <laughs> mad at God for not accepting your subpar offering? Like, did you do your best? Like, was that exactly, your best? Exactly. And that's what God tells him. He mm-hmm. says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Mm-hmm. And if and you do don't. not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Yep. So, yep. And that's why one of the one of my favorite things my pastor had ever said was you can be angry, but sin not. Exactly. And that and and that, you know, comes to the next point where, you know, it's it's desires contrary to you, but you have to rule over it. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can be angry, but you have to not let the anger overtake you. Yep. Like Whitney to action. Do not tailgate the car of the guy that just cut you off. Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't honk your horn that, at him. Yeah. Don't flip don't, him off, Whitney. Don't do that. I did not do that. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I know, I know. So So anyway, Cain and Abel, Cain is just overwhelmingly angry at Abel. It's this deep rooted hatred for his brother. And that's the enmity we talk about in the curses of yeah. with the serpent. Yes. Um, so Cain Rises up against his brother Abel and kills him. Yeah. And can I just say, like, I have a brother. And I, there have been times when I have been so, so angry with him. You know, there are things that my brother does that he does way better than I do. Yeah. I have never in my whole life and all the many, many years that I have been alive mm. felt enough anger to want to harm him in any way let alone kill him. Right? Like, right? How how much just, anger yeah, could you be say, filled can with? Can you imagine feeling that much rage? Like, and it wasn't like this was a premeditated murder. Is oh, yeah. what this was. Yeah, he, because he came up with a plan to bring him out mm-hmm. to the field, kill and, him and bury him. Exactly. To kill it and then to try to cover it yes. up. Yes. Verse chapter 4, verse 9 <laughs> is the one that gets me. It's the one that I have to take a step back and be like, excuse me, what? Yeah. You said yeah. what to God? Yeah. To his face. Yeah. God comes out and asks Cain, where's your brother? Like, where, where is he? And Cain says, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? As in, am I his babysitter? Like, like, do I keep tabs on him? That's not my job. And we're talking about not just speaking to anybody. To, like not to that. your parent, even though you should not speak respect to your parents that them. Way. Yeah. You're yes. talking to God the Father to his face. Like <laughs> if there was ever a time to just smack someone down, God should have done it to Cain. And again, did perfect it. example of his grace and his love mm-hmm. because he did it. And his overwhelming patience for Yes. Kayla. One of the verses that really kind of like, I don't know, spoke to me was the voice where, or the verse where God says, right, it's right after he says, where's your brother? And he's like, what am I, his keeper? Like, yeah. how am I supposed to know? And the Lord said, what have you done? And this is the part right here that I'm talking about. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I don't know why. Those words, just his blood is crying to me 
from the ground. I don't know. They just strike me. They just make me feel a kind of way. Because, because like, he's all-knowing. Yeah. Well, and he's... And just the fact he that he He knew where he was. Like, there was... Like, one of the other points that I have is, like, why... What was the point of him killing him? Why? Like... He was angry. What Jealous. Did, exactly. Sin like, overtook him. It's just... But, like, at the same time, God is omnipotent, like you said. He's all-knowing, all... All everywhere, all the time, right? So he didn't even have to ask him where his brother Abel was. He gave him a chance. He gave him a choice to say, you know, actually, I killed him. Sorry. Sorry. But no, he didn't come clean. He was going to be a little smart, Alec. Mm -hmm. What am I, his babysitter? Exactly. Like, anyway. So, yes, that that verse also gave me chills. It's crying to me from the ground. It just makes me so sad. It's like buried alive, but he wasn't. But anyway. So, obviously, God curses Cain and sends him out and says, you know, you shall be a fugitive of the land. You you will have no rest. Um, when you work the ground, it's not going to give you anything. It's it's not going to yield to your strength. And Cain was just like, You've, my punishment is more than I can bear. So this, yet again, is where we see God's grace and his just overall patience for us as humans. In his judgment, he still protects Cain. By giving him the mark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, he says that if anyone should harm him, him. it would be sevenfold. The vengeance shall be taken on on him who attacked Cain on sevenfold. Yeah. So he protects him. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Even though this little piece of garbage just rose up against him and like, said am i his babysitter right and not only did he say that like you just you ki- like the you first killed your brother for the very first you time killed like, your brother. you just killed a, another human being that god created yep okay so yep so Cain goes away um yeah he moves he leaves and he goes up. and settles in the land of nod yes east of eden that's yep. how i would say it i would say nod. please forgive our pronunciations we've tried and, and upcoming yeah. Mm-hmm. So Cain, obviously, she he he gets a wife, and he he bears Children. Enoch. Yeah, Enoch. Anyway, it goes through the the people of Cain, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lamech, I think, represents a, both a progressive hardening and sin polygamy, because you know he he says. Anybody who rises up against me is 70-fold because he's of Cain. So he basically says the same thing. So it's just a progression of sin because that's what Cain is. Cain is basically sin. Yeah. So all of that to say. And then Adam and Eve had another son, Seth. Yes. Because Cain killed Abel. So Mm -hmm. he kind of just said, hey, I know I can't replace the kid that you lost, Mm -hmm. but here you go. His name is Seth. And then Seth bore Enosh at the time. People began to call upon the name of the Lord. So we see that separation. We see Cain's offspring and we see Seth's Seth's offspring. offspring. And then Seth is of God. So Seth's offspring are going to be the ones that lead to Noah and then eventually to the Messiah. Yeah. And then Cain's offspring are are going to be lost in the flood because of uprising of sin. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to chapter five, we're finally here. We're going a little bit over time, guys. Sorry. Um, There's just so much to unpack in these first couple of chapters. But... um, Chapter 5, we're not going to go through everybody and, like, read it off verbatim, but it's just a book of generations from Adam to Noah. So Noah was the guy who built the ark, who went and survived the flood, took animals two by two, and did all of that because Noah was of God, and God found resonance with him. Um, So, 
I actually find it super interesting that when not Noah, but when, Le, how do you say it? Lamech? Lamesh? Lamech. Lamech, I think. I think, was alive. When he was born, eight generations were still alive. Adam was still alive. When he was that's born, like that's so crazy, yeah. And I think that that just goes to show us the amount of de like the de evolution yes. of humans in the world that we're used to seeing. Like people will post, like where I grew up, if there were four generations or five generations, which yeah. were super uncommon, you were getting your picture in the newspaper because it was just so unheard of. Yeah, I mean, like for me, I never knew my grandparents. Yeah, like, they were dead before I was born. So like t- to have eight generations, eight generations of of people alive when you were born. And even to to that point, you know, when he had Noah, when Noah was born, there were nine generations still on the earth. That's not right. Just kidding. Um, because Enoch had been taken up into heaven and, and actually Adam had passed away at that point. So. But you see, Adam lived to be like 930 years old. Yes. Like, can you imagine? Like people nowadays are dying in their 50s. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. be 900 and some years old, yeah. like, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's insane now to think, like... To live to your 90s. Insane. It's insane. Insane. It's just crazy. So, yeah. So, the generations from Adam to Noah go Adam. Yes. Seth. Yes. Enos. Yes. Canaan. Canaan. Mahalil. Yes. Jared. Enoch. Methuselah. Yeah. Lamech. And then Noah. And then Noah. Yeah. And I think in all that, uh, it's important to talk about two people. Uh, number one being Enoch, the father of Jared. Um, we get not a whole lot on him, but the very little bit that we do get on him in the... Enoch, the father oh, of Jared, or the son. Enoch, the son, the, of son Jared. Of Jared. the son of Jared. The son of Jared. Yes, Enoch, the man who was just brought up into heaven. Yeah. Which is insane because the only other person that's happened to was Elijah. Yeah, yeah. Like to be to be so close to God and to yeah. walk with God so closely that He doesn't want you to suffer death. That He literally takes you up in chariots. Yeah, that He was just so righteous and and was a good. I wish we had more information on Him. Yeah, but I think that too that that's one of the. Mysteries. I mean, someday we'll have all the answers, oh, but yes. I feel like that that's like one of the little... The little things. Yeah. The well, like if that really happened, why don't we know more? Because mm-hmm. the point is not of the details, but the fact that it happened. Yep. And like, have faith that yeah. it happened because yeah. obviously the word of God, the yes. Bible is written by God. Yeah. And then the second person obviously is Noah. And mm-hmm. Yeah. We may or may not know. Yep. You know. And I, forever ago, I saw, not forever ago, but a little while ago, I saw something on chapter five and the generations of... From Adam to Noah and the the names, what they mean in Hebrew. Yes, I love this. And it is so crazy to me. So I don't know if this is a thousand percent correct because I don't know Hebrew. And so I've just used my resources from the internet, but I've seen (laughs) a lot of people say that this is true. So from Adam to Noah, all the generations, Adam, Seth, all of them, um, their names mean something in Hebrew. And it comes out to man appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing rest. I'm sorry, but that sounds like Jesus. Yep. Shall bring the despairing rest. It's kind of like God left a little fingerprint there for us. Oh, how do we? Yep. 
Yeah. It's like he had a purpose in naming all of these people what they yeah, named. Yeah, I mean, we're were seeing, even though we're not seeing Jesus' name directly, we're seeing his name all over the blessed even the God first five chapters shall come of down the very teaching. Yeah. His He's, death shall bring the despairing yeah. us sinners rest. Yeah. Yeah. It's what? incredible. That's so, that's so crazy to me. That's so crazy to me. Yes. Now, I don't know if that's a thousand percent correct again, but if it is true, and that is the, the actual translation of those, like, how, how amazing. Yep. How amazing. God's fingerprint right there in front of us. Yes. But anyway, I think this was good. Yeah, it was a good I think discussion. we had a lot to talk about, and it was a lot to unpack. So for those of you who are still listening, if anybody is still listening, thanks. Thank you. Like, it is so much. It is so great to sit here and actually talk about this stuff with somebody, Whitney, and to hey, all of you who are listening, Victoria. you know, <laughs> thank you. So I think we want to talk about our favorite verse from that reading. I think to end out an episode, we should p- point out our favorite verse from the from the readings. Yeah. And so... Um, I think we chose what? Genesis 3.21. Yep. And um, that is right after the fall. And that is that tiny verse that we were talking about where God gives the first sacrifice. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Yes. I think that those words and the meaning behind those words are just... Very, very, it's powerful. powerful. It's so powerful. And we see so many attributes of God in that one tiny verse. Yes. So thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode. We hope you enjoyed this time uh, that we have spent being in God's word. We hope to see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. On the next episode of the Allergic to Grace podcast, we will be discussing Genesis chapter 6 through 10. So if you would like to tune into that episode and do the reading prior, it will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. <laughs>